episode 87 of the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast welcomes in Frank Wintrich. Coach Frank Wintrich is an O2X on-site human performance specialist who specializes in strength and conditioning. His role as a human performance program manager is to support tactical athletes with comprehensive training programs and resources that will arm them for success on and off the job. The work of the FBI is dynamic, challenging, physical, and critical to our national security. Frank and the O2X team specialize in preparing tactical athletes for just such a mission. Prior to O2X, Frank served as Holistic Health and Fitness Program Director for the 3rd Armored Brigade Combat Team, 1st Armored Division, after serving 20 years in collegiate athletics. During his college coaching career, he served at nine different institutions across a multitude of sport disciplines, most recently as the Director of Football Performance at UCLA. Prior to UCLA, Wintrich held Director of Football Performance positions at both the University of Virginia and Brigham Young University. At UCLA, Frank provided the Bruins with integrated short and long-term physical preparation training through the implementation of the multi-year system of training known as Progressive Athlete Development, PADS. This program incorporated a holistic approach to the development of athletes, ensuring the mastery of basic training skills before moving forward with the development of more advanced skills. Frank's performance program principles dictated athletes train safely, focus on proper movement skills, developing strength around that movement, while concurrently developing skills specific to their individual sport needs. Throughout his collegiate career, Frank collaborated with Force Reconnaissance Marines, Navy SEALs, Army Rangers, and Psychology PhDs to develop and integrate the Warrior Mindset Program. This program armed the athlete with mental skills and strategies to appropriately handle stress, reinforce positive self-talk, and improve mental toughness and resilience. Prior to BYU, Frank served four seasons at the University of North Texas as the Director of Football Performance, where he helped the Mean Green advance to their first bowl appearance in 10 years. He arrived in Denton from South Florida, where he was the Associate Director of Strength Conditioning for three seasons for the Bulls, helping USF advance to three bowl games from 2008 to 2010. He spent two seasons, 2006 and 2007, as the Director of Athletic Development at the Citadel, directing the physical preparation program that provided all aspects of athletic development for 15 varsity sports. Frank is originally from St. Petersburg, Florida, and earned his bachelor's degree in sport and fitness management from Western Kentucky Western College in 2002. While at KWC, Frank was nominated team captain two consecutive years and was a two-time All-American ad linebacker. You can follow Frank on Twitter and many other social media platforms. He's worth the follow, trust me. Before we jump into today's episode, just a few housekeeping things. Remember to follow the show on Twitter at HWCN Podcast. Share this episode or any that you find value in. Rate and review and subscribe on any of your listening platforms. If you're in the Dallas area and are looking for some fantastic custom cookies that look almost too good to eat, check out Texas Treaties. Podcast listeners can use a special 10% off promo. Use the code podcast at checkout. The link to order will be in the show notes. Are you trying to step up your menswear game? Then Etiquette Dawn is the best choice. Etiquette Dawn is a truly custom apparel company that will have you looking like a sharp-dressed man. 
Check out www.etiquettedoncustomapparel.com for more information. When you need a coffee that works as hard as you do or is as strong as your squat, bench, deadlift, clean, or snatch, then I suggest checking out Viking Coffee Company. Podcast listeners, use the code COFFEEWITHNOONIN for a 10% discount on single purchases, not subscriptions. Check out vikingcoffeeco.com for more details and to order the official coffee of the Hanging With Coach Noonan podcast. Drink coffee, work hard. If you're looking for a quick and effective way to keep your weight room and or locker room sanitized, check out Xanago Sprayer. Bacteria can grow anywhere. The Freedom Sprayer goes with you so you can keep your athletes protected wherever you go. Check out Xanago.com for more information. Now, let's get into the episode with Coach Frank Wintrich. On today's episode of the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast, I am joined by a legend in the game, uh, the strength game, and now moving, making his way into the tactical scene, uh, human performance on-site specialist with O2X, Frank Wintrich. Coach Frank, welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you for taking the time and, uh, and chopping it up with me. I've heard a lot of great stories from our mutual friend, Monty Sparkman, and so I'm, I'm really excited that, uh, that we're getting this opportunity. I uh, want to number one appreciate the, the very kind um, introduction and um, yeah happy to be here. Uh, Monty's a great guy and um, has also spoken very highly of you and, and just a great opportunity. I love any opportunity when people want to uh, hear what you have to say and, and learn about your journey and, and those types of things. I, I think it's very humbling um, and, and you know as someone who's done this for a long time, I, I feel like you know we have an obligation, we have a responsibility to, to be able to spread that information and, and help the people that are coming up behind us and, and help them uh, avoid the mistakes that we made and, and learn from uh, learn from our experiences. And, and I think that that's a, a great uh, value of these podcasts and, and these opportunities. And so I, I cherish every one of them. And so I'm grateful to you and your, your listeners for the, the opportunity to come on here and do this. Awesome. Well, I'm not going to sit here and ask you to go through your journey. Uh, I think that this was, that was done on the O2X podcast and, and, that was really well kind of laid out. So I highly recommend everyone to go check out that episode. And I'll I'll try to link that in the show notes as well. Um, But, you know, as I was thinking about this episode and and reached out to you, I I did a kind of a deeper dive on your Twitter. And and one of the things that I saw was a tweet. I don't exactly remember when you, when you posted it, um, but you said you can never train hard enough for a job that can kill you. And I think you you had posted that before you took the job at O2X. So how does that resonate with you now, you know, working with where you're at? And if you if you would, could you explain a little bit of what O2X is for those uh, that are not familiar with the tactical side of things? Yeah, so O2X is a, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, a contracting company, um, and they specialize in uh contracting to the tactical realm and it's not just for tactical but a majority of the work that they do and the contracts that the company holds is with um is in the tactical space so um i currently work with the fbi um, we have people who uh are working with police and fire uh, military um the uh the, the three co-founders are former uh, navy seal uh, seal team six operators and so they were able to be a part of that whole genesis of what happened with maybe special warfare the human performance side of it um, they were able to experience firsthand the things that went really well with it, and uh, perhaps some of the things that um, might have needed to be done a little bit differently or a little bit better. 
And um, the, the vision is O2X optimized to the X. Um, you know, in military parlance, the X is the spot that we're going to. That's the, the, the meeting spot or that's the, the target, if you will. Um, and everybody's X is going to be a little bit different. Um, and so kind of being able to understand what the client's X is um, and then get in there uh, and help them optimize their performance to that end. When you are working with a group of people who literally are putting their lives on the line, what does that do to you compared to working with the college football scene and other previous strength coaching positions through your career where there is all, there's always something on the line, but it's not as true as a life and death type deal where you're trying to prepare these people, you know, to, to go into an area, go to the X that, you know, might put them in peril versus, you know, you we're, we're risking, you know, a million dollars here or there, if they're not bigger, faster, stronger type, not to, downplay that significance of, of that amount of money. Uh, Cause I think we would all love an extra million, you know, but it, I, I would assume it's a, it's gotta be some difference of, of mindset uh, on a day-to-day basis in terms of how you approach everyday training. Yeah. I think, um, you know, you're, you're always kind of caught up with where you are. And so um, one of the very first things I learned in coaching from Jimmy Keeling when I was a GA when I first got started at Harden Simmons was you, you make the big time where you are. And, and I'm going to I'm, I'm going to complete this for you. I'm going to go a little bit of a rant here. But, um, you know, you make the big time where you are. And so to me, that was um, when I was at Harden Simmons as the head strength coach there as a graduate assistant, uh, Division three school treat that job like it was the very most important job um, that you have. That's your Alabama. That's your Notre Dame. That's your UCLA or what, you know, whatever that dream job that you have is. Um, so then you get to a uh, Utah state or you get to a Citadel or you get to a North Texas and you treat that job and you act like that job is the, the very most important job, the biggest job um, in the world. And you conduct yourself and carry yourself like that. And one of the benefits of, um, you know, my experience in college was I was able to, to get around, starting in my time at the Citadel, uh, tactical operators, so about, you know, working with the Army, working with Rangers, working with guys that are in Delta, um, and, and learning from them. And that really got me hooked into the military culture and the military mindset. And when I got to the University of North Texas, we had, um, you know, a good first year and just an atrocious second year. And I felt like from the physical standpoint, we were really where we should have been. Physically, I didn't feel like other than, you know, the Alabamas and Kansas States of the world, like we, you know, that, that we had played that year, that um, it wasn't like the, the teams we were playing in the Sunbelt were, were better than us. But yet we finished the season with only four wins and it was a step back from the, the previous year. And the staff and I determined that really it wasn't a physical issue, but it was a, a mental issue. And that got me working with a friend of mine who's a former Force Recon Marine. And we developed what we coined the Warrior Mindset Program. And it led to this progression where I was learning and seeking information from um, through mentorship, through books um, of our nation's warriors and trying to understand what the mindset was. So, you know, in a very unique way, I was setting myself up for this um, unknowingly at the time as I went through it. But 
Um, at the time, those, those games, those training sessions, we were trying to use the mindset that the guys I work with now bring every day when they, when they come into the job site, when they come uh, to work every day. And we wanted the players to think about it that way. We wanted the coaches to think about it that way um, because it does give it this sense of urgency. Now, having crossed that line to leave the college ranks and, and come work in this setting, um, it, it's not even close. It's not even the same. You start thinking about what the repercussions could be for um, failure, particularly with the group that I work with, um, they're catastrophic. And so uh, every day, the training that we do with them could be the type of training or could be the session that could save their lives uh, down the road when they go, when they are asked to go down range. And so um, the, the mindset is something that we've been thinking about and working on for a long time, but comparatively speaking, um, to step in and look back on it, um, it it's, it's nowhere near um, the, the feeling and the emotion of when you think about the guys that you're working for actually going out and putting themselves in real physical harm's way um, and, and the possibility that they might not come home that night if they don't do their job successfully. And so it, it's very humbling. Um, it gives you a real sense of urgency that when you sit down to write a program, um, there's no BS involved. Like you need to bring your very, very best every day for these guys because they have to bring their very best every day um, because uh, our security as a nation depends on it and their lives and their, and their buddies' lives depend on it. As you approach on a day-to-day basis, you know, I, I think one of the things that I got from your O2X podcast episode and uh, from talking with uh, Monty Sparkman was, was the way in which you approach training and programming in a holistic, philosophical way, right? I, mm-hmm. I think we all can point to certain people that we say, you know, that's the person we go to for the West Side conjugate stuff. That's the person we go to for the triphasic, uh, et cetera. You know, but this holistic approach, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that's something that everybody approaches um, or, you know, how does yours differ? So how do you take your holistic approach that you used training athletes on the football field or, or wherever to now in a tactical setting where they're going to be doing a lot of different things in a, in a short or a long period of time versus kind of a confined four to six seconds of a football play. Yeah. And so um, <clears throat> the first thing you need to do is get out and, and try to do as much as you can of what they do. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that I've, I've been really fortunate and, and the unit I work with has been um, really good of, of letting me come out there and either observe or participate in the training that they're doing. And um, then I get to feel it. You know, it's just like, you know, you played football, I played football. We know what football feels like, um, you know, get out there and, and feel that sport and feel that activity um, and then talk to them about how it makes them feel and then really get a very clear understanding. You know, one of the things I, I said um, in an article that actually went along with that quote, because I, I put that quote um, in an article and I tweeted out to, to kind of pump the article. Um, but I was talking about developing the tactical athlete is really the most comprehensive athlete in the world, because I don't think there's a sport where you have to train across the entire spectrum of 
physical development. So you can't just say, yeah, football is an alactic aerobic sport. So I'm going to focus on these energy systems. I know it's strength power for um, the offensive lineman. I know it's speed strength for the, uh, or power speed for the, uh, the, the wide receiver outside the box type guys. And you can be a little bit more specific and direct about it. Uh, on any given day, on any given mission, a tactical athlete can be asked to do any number of those things. And the duration of that event can last anywhere from uh, seconds to hours to days. And so um, being able to develop resiliency, both physically and mentally uh, in the training and the things that you're doing, um, being able to develop multiple different energy systems, being able to develop multiple different types of strength. Um, th those are all very important and they're unique um, in the standpoint that you never really know what you're going to be called upon to use. Whereas in sport, you can be a little bit more focused and directed um, at what types of strength, what types of speed, what types of energy system development you're going to utilize um, in that sport or in that practice or in that game. Um, in this environment, there, there's such a wide variety. Uh, so you have to get out there you've got to feel it. You've got to understand it. And then most importantly, you have to train them for it. And so uh, at the foundation of everything we do is movement. Um, if you can't move, you can't operate. And I used to say that in college, if you can't move, you can't play. It doesn't matter how much you squat, how much you bench. Um, if you're unable to uh, to move on the football field or move on the basketball court or whatever your field of play is, um, you're, you're useless. And in this environment as well, if you're, if you're not able to move, you could be the greatest um, operator uh, technically in the world. But if you're not able to get out there and get down range um, and, and do the things that you need to do, then you're of no use to yourself. You're of no use to the unit. It makes you a liability. Um, and so just understanding those things um, and, and, and putting that together in a holistic program. So what does that mean? Um, it means movement. It means um, uh, max effort strength. It, uh, it means, um, you know, glycolytic capacity. It means aerobic capacity. Um, it means, um, you know, being able to absorb force. It means being able to apply force. Uh, it means being able to have great aerobic capacity so you can go for long periods of time um, without getting fatigued. And so there's all these little nuanced things that you have to understand and, and include in the program. Um, and, and getting out there and doing that with them, I, I think is really important. So um, that, and then looking at it from a holistic standpoint, then it's not just the physical preparation because it's more than just us writing a strength and conditioning program for them. It's also about making sure that we do a great job with their nutrition. It's also doing a great job understanding um, their, um, uh, their mental readiness and, and that we're looking after that and doing a great job with that. Um, educating them about sleep and sleep hygiene, um, because obviously in, in this setting, um, there's a lot of unique schedules, a lot of altered schedules, a lot of travel, um, and, and being able to um, account for that and adjust for that so that you're able to address the whole tactical athlete and not just, well, let's do a workout today and here's what we're going to attack, but making sure that when they step away uh, from the gym, when they step away from me, they've got the tools they need to be able to properly refuel themselves uh, they have the tools they need to be able to properly refit themselves so they can come back the next day and not only train with me, but then also go out and do their jobs because that's a part of their their day-to-day -day thing as, as well. Yeah, you you talked about it's not just the strength and conditioning aspect, right? That's one piece of the puzzle, but you you mentioned nutrition, you mentioned sleep and sleep hygiene. That's a constant battle. Um, I know we fight at the high school level and I'm sure you dealt with it at the collegiate level. And so <clears throat> I can't imagine that it's significantly better 
with adults because I think sometimes adults find more ways to make excuses than kids do. You know, some kids, the excuse is they just don't have the money, right? They're, they're, the resources are literally not there for them. So it's kind of hard to fault a kid who doesn't have the money to eat or doesn't have a, a, a good home to sleep in. Uh, whereas with these adults, that was just a conscious choice not to eat before work, you know, before training. It, it's a conscious choice to have stayed up, you know, perusing the internet, or, or maybe they had to stay up and, and, and you know, read the mission brief uh, prior to coming to train. So they're, they're struggling a little bit. So how have you been able to take your knowledge of nutrition, of sleep and sleep hygiene and approach these, these people um, who, like you talked about, there was the, the potential for failure is catastrophic. So, you know, nutrition and sleep are, are major keys to improved performance. Yeah. So the one thing I've noticed is different with, with working with an older population and the, and the group that I work with um, are uh, much more seasoned than even like before I, I got here, I worked at Fort Bliss and I was working with really like 18 to 55 year olds. Um, the group I work with now is more kind of in like the 35 to 55 year range. And so you're dealing with a, a more mature human being. Um, you're also dealing with professionals. I mean, most of the guys I work with are uh, out of a career already in the military or um, in law enforcement and have transitioned into this role that they're doing right now. And uh, with that comes a lot of experience and a lot of pitfalls. And so I say all that to say that these guys are old enough and wise enough to know what they don't know. And they appreciate expertise and they respect expertise. Whereas sometimes I felt, at least at the college level, and I, and I know high school is differently. And in college, we had different resources. You know, your scholarship athletes get you know, checked, they get a dorm room. Um, at the high school level, your kids don't always have that. Um, so I'm just going to speak to my experience, um, you know, and even my most recent experience at UCLA, where the kid had the kids had, um, you know, world class housing, uh, the best fueling program that collegiate athletics has to offer in any sport, um, arguably one of the best human performance programs in the country from a preparation standpoint. But yet, there's always this this push and pull or this battle. Of, hey, here's the things that we need to do, and why are we not able to to get those things done? Well, because I've got this to do, or I've got that to do, or you know, I'm I'm on Instagram, or I'm you know worried about my YouTube page, or, or those kinds of things. Um, these guys that I work with now are um, they're not perfect, and you don't ask them to be perfect. Um, you know, to deal in absolutes and say, well, this is the only way that we can set up sleep, or this is the only way that we can set up nutrition. Um, those are those are quick ways to failure, quick paths to failure. Um, so what you want to do is kind of find out what current habits are and then um, find out what the goals are. And then within those habits, what are the things that we can work to correct? What are the things that we can work to improve? And then make small changes. And one of the things I love about O2X is 1% better every day. Um, and that's the message that we, that we give to our clients, that we give to people that we work with in workshops. And I, and I think it's so easy, you know, like you're not going to get 100% better every day. It's not possible. You don't have the energy. You don't have the bandwidth, whether you're a high school athlete, a college athlete, or a tactical operator. There's just not enough bandwidth. There's not enough hours in the day. It's not possible. But if you can find one thing in your 
repertoire, one thing in your um, daily flow that you can correct and fix and try to get better at, um, those end up becoming uh, long-term and over the, over the, uh, the course of a year, you're 365% better than where you started. And so just finding what those things are, having great relationships, having great conversations. Um, and then when mistakes happen, like and it happens all the time, you're working with a nutrition plan with a guy and it's good, it's good, it's good. And then all of a sudden, oh, I went off the rails. You know, we were traveling and we had this, we had that. And they're beating themselves up. And it's like, hey, man, it's cool. Look at up to this point, we've already lost 20 pounds. We've gotten 15% body fat down. We've put on eight pounds of lean mass. You had a bad week. Let's not have more bad weeks because we're lamenting this bad week. Let's work on correcting those things that we know we can correct. Okay, we've had a slip up. And let's move on from there. Um, and, and being able to approach it like that. And um, because a lot of times, you know, these guys are used to being in the military, come from a military background. Um, they can be very hard on themselves and very uh, perfectionist. And getting them to understand like, hey, you're not going to be perfect. And building those types of things in. Like, hey, we're going to be 90% on this uh, fueling plan that we've got you on. And 10% of the time, I want you to go nuts. I want you to eat the foods that you enjoy. I want you to drink the things that you enjoy. And then as soon as that period's over, we're right back on track and, um, you know, providing them opportunities to do that. And I found just to, to round back to your question, I found that this group is very receptive to that. Um, they're, they're willing to learn. They, they're willing to ask questions. Whereas um, I, I found later in my career in, in college that kids were less interested in asking questions and less interested in, in education because they've got YouTube, they've got Instagram, they've got the Internet. And therefore, they have access to all the knowledge that they need. And they, they've got it figured out. Whereas um, the, the group that I'm working with now, you know, they're my age, a little bit older, maybe a little bit younger, but they didn't come up with these resources. And they're used to having experts and having people they can rely on for information. Um, and and they, they take advantage of that. And um, again, I've said it a lot tonight already, but it's humbling. Uh, but it also makes the work environment great because you can have a working relationship and it's a back and forth, which is what I've always craved and what I've always wanted um, with the people that I worked with is, is being able to have that relationship, have that conversation, see what's working, see what needs to be tweaked because there is no, as we know, one size fits all plan for everyone. Um, and we, we need to come up with um, different plans and different strategies for each person we work with. And, and these guys are really receptive and open to that more so than, than um, what I saw um, you know, especially in the latter years in, in the college realm. Yeah, you know, I, I can speak to that par that, that paradox of needing the information, but then having too much information at the high school level. I think, you know, the biggest deal is just trying to help these kids filter to the better information, right? Who has the skin in the game? who's worth listening to, but also who is working their way up that actually is providing good information. They're just doing it in a more potentially innovative approach or their, their, their approach to it seems to be um, clicking better with the younger generation. So, okay, maybe that's somebody to pay attention to. In reality, nothing is what, nothing, what they're saying is really new. They are referencing the, the, the older generations who have tried and true methods, uh, but, but at least 
you know, there is some good information. There are some good people out there when it comes to, you know, developing that tactical athlete. Um, who are some people that you, that you kind of looked at and go, okay, this is, this is what they've done. This is how it's worked. Uh, I, I'd assume that the, the people at O2X, you know, the, 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 the co-founders are, might be some people that you can lean on and kind of gain, you know, knowledge from, you know, you talked about getting in there and, and, and experiencing, you know, kind of what that job is. Uh, obviously, you know, might be a little too old to, to jump in a deployment and serve. Um, so you try to gain as much knowledge from somebody else. So who are some people that you've been able to kind of draw from to help you understand how to develop the tactical athlete? Um, you know, I've been fortunate that because of my relationship, um, you know, with the, the SEAL community, uh, even before I, I came into this space, um, you know, being able to reach out to um, the human performance team over at Dev Group, the SEAL Team 6 human performance team, um, those guys have been really good to me and have done a ton to help me um, understand, um, you know, some of the things that um, are going on in this world and, and um, some methods and methodologies and technologies that can be utilized uh, to best serve this community. Uh, but but then a lot of it goes back to, um, you know, people that I leaned on heavily um, for knowledge and information in my time in college athletics. You know, I, mean, I can't say enough great things about uh, Buddy Morris and Tom Mazinski, um, Cal Beats. Um, th those those people have been um, absolutely foundational and transformational in, in my approach. Um, and then people that I've had the, the privilege of spending time with. Um, in, in, in the field and, and be close to, you know, Kevin Heiberger, um, Chris Ronald, um, those guys were, were, were very close to me and, and helped me develop the program that we used um, at North Texas, helped me develop the program that we used at BYU and Virginia and ultimately at UCLA when we were all together there under one roof. And, and a lot of those principles and a lot of those foundational things we are using to this day. Um, and it's great because um, there, there's really not a strong uh, history of development in this space. And so we are able to kind of lay a new foundation because um, there, there's, there's this assumption that because you're a tactical athlete, because you're military, because you're law enforcement, that you know how to physically prepare yourself. Um, and, and the reality is these guys are leaning on what they learned while they were in boot camp, what they learned while they were in selection preparations, what they learned from uh, doing CrossFit or watching YouTube videos. And there hasn't been a great foundation laid and in information. And some of that is, you know, a lot of us that work in this space, we can't disclose who we work with or even that we work in this space. Um, I'm able to kind of disclose a little bit of what I do, but not all of what I do. And I'm able to do these things. But I think that there's a there's a great opportunity here and, and hopefully maybe you've got some some young college strength coaches or some young high school strength coaches who can look at this and say, you know, high school athletics, college athletics, those things are great. And, and I love that space. But there is a really great need and a growing need for tactical uh, human performance coaches um, and the knowledge that we possess and the things that we learn in the collegiate space, in the high school space are really desired and when we take this stuff and show it to these guys 
it blows their minds and they love it. Um, you know, I, I had a guy come up to me the other day and he was like, man, he goes, you know, 10 years ago, I hurt my back. Um, and ever since then, my back has bothered me. I've, I've had this back problem. It's been an issue. Um, I started coming to this class and I was a little bit hesitant, uh, class being the groups that I run with these guys. I, I uh, started coming to this group. I was hesitant because everything I've always seen, everything I've always done has just been put more weight on the bar, do this, do that. And it's always made my problems worse. He's like, your movement, your uh, physical reconditioning, your uh, injury reduction protocols, all of those things have made it to the point now I moved my entire house last week and I had zero pain. And to me, that's the biggest compliment that I could possibly get. That you have a guy who's living his life um, and was in pain before and is no longer in pain now. Uh, and, and that's one story of probably 10 stories that I have just in the seven months that I've been with this unit that are similar to that, where you're taking people who are broken, taking people who have dealt with stuff. And because these guys are tough, and because unfortunately, in a lot of cases, they don't have the choice to be able to, hey, time out. I need to be able to go see the trainer. I need to be able to go see the physical therapist. I need to go see the, go see the doctor. You know, those resources don't exist or the lines to get to those resources are so long that they can't utilize it or they have a mission and they're not going to go let their buddies go downrange while they stay at home and nurse something that they can put their head down and push through. And um, so now being able to show them means and methods that can help them put their bodies in a better place, that, that's everything to me. Uh, and, and you're changing lives that way. Uh, you're improving the quality of lives that way. And, and I, I love that. that. That makes getting up every morning going in super exciting to me and, and super fulfilling. You know, it's interesting. You talked about this opportunity that really is like not even, I don't even know that you could say you're scratching the surface of it in terms of, you know, getting into the tactical, tactical community and that human performance uh, area, right? The, the college strength and the high school strength markets and, and communities are in a good way getting in becoming a little more saturated because people, schools are seeing the greater need for those highly qualified individuals in order, and they're seeing them as investments in their, in their student athletes and just people in general, but, you know, to invest in, you know, the, the, the tactical community, whether it's, you know, uh, the, the military, law enforcement, firefighters, how would you potentially encourage, you know, young coaches or coaches seeking a change to look into getting involved uh, in that side of things? Because I don't know that there's a, there's a, there's a exactly a, a straight line or, or you know, it seems it's a pretty simple pro process to get into college or get into high school you know, you check these boxes and you talk to these people, you'll start your path. Now you may have to start a little bit lower and you may have to humble yourself a little bit more. So how do you, how does one potentially get into, you know, where you're at in terms of just in general? Yeah, I, I think we feel that way because we're so, um, we're so inundated and our brains are so stuck in, in this world, right? Like we're, we're so stuck in the athletics world that we don't, um, we don't uh, understand really what's out there on, on the periphery. And so um, one of the things that 
you can do is, you know, reach out to people that are in the States. You know, um, I'm, I'm more than happy to connect people with stuff, but even just doing uh, Indeed job searches for tactical strength conditioning um, or Google searches for tactical strength conditioning jobs, a lot of things are, are going to come up and a lot of, uh, a lot of opportunities and it's growing. Uh, I, I know from my time working with the army before I came out here at Fort Bliss, uh, the, the army H2F program is hiring hundreds, maybe thousands of strength and conditioning coaches for full-time salaried positions, benefited positions um, in the tactical space, working with big army units, um, law enforcement, our uh, police, fire, uh, military units of all kinds, all different levels, tier one units, tier two units are looking for people with experience. So it's entry-level positions. I know that we're looking at O2X, more and more positions are coming open. So you go on the O2X website, look at employment, there's opportunities there. So understanding wh which some of these companies are that are hiring, um, I'm not going to talk about them on the podcast, uh, but if people reach out to me, um, I, I can point them in the direction of, of where some of those things are. Um, but it's just understanding the right places to work. Just like you and I used to go on footballscoop.com because that's where the jobs were. We used to go on coachingjobs.com because that's where the jobs were. And we knew that if we were looking for something, that's where we needed to go to try to find those things. Those resources exist. You know, the, the NFCA has a tactical strength and conditioning coach certification. They have tactical strength and conditioning coaches conference. Um, I'm working with my leadership at O2X to try to get uh, a presence at the football coaches strength and conditioning convention and the national convention to try to get the word out. And this is the thing because as I look around, it's funny because I saw a tweet the other day where McDonald's was paying $16.50 an hour for uh, someone to come flip burgers. And it's like that person would make $34,000 a year some strength coaches' master's degrees aren't even making that much. And there's this lamentation that why don't we make that much? And I don't want to get on my soapbox and go down that road. Um, there's certainly a good reason for that, in my opinion. But if you're a professional and if you want to act right and if you want to use um, sports science and you want to utilize uh, knowledge in, in an environment um, to help people, uh, you're, you're not, your name's not going to be in the newspaper and, and you're not going to be making YouTube videos. You're not going to be making Instagram videos. But what you are going to be able to do is help people to really high level live better lives and potentially save their lives. There are great jobs out there that pay really well and provide uh, opportunities for advancement that don't involve you looking over your shoulder every time you lose a game um, and wondering if, am I going to have a job? Am I going to have to pack my family up and move them across the country because this one didn't work out because um, we didn't recruit the right kids or because we didn't call the right plays or the head coach thought that I didn't develop the guys the right way. Um, one of the things I really value about this space while we're talking about this is um, the, the science and uh, what's real matters. It, it's not, well, we did this for 20 years at XYZ and we want to do it here because it's what works. The, they want to know what works. They do it, it works. And then they want more of it and they want to understand it and they want to go through those progressions and do those things. Um, there is, and I'm not, I'm not trying to paint a, a picture that it's not real, and especially in big army and, and big Navy and, and big military units. There is a thing where um, this is the way we've done it. And there's an expectation that we'll continue to do it that way. That's in any new organization. That's in any organization that's learning new things. But what I found was if you approach them with an intelligent plan, um, with, with a great way to execute it, a great way forward and um, demonstrate that you have the capability and the expertise to coach it um, and execute it, they will follow you to the end of the earth uh, because they are 
desperately craving uh, the knowledge that we possess uh, from, from our experience um, in, in this world. And they desperately need it because the days of push-up, sit-up, two-mile run are fading away and we can do better. And, um, and in a lot of ways, we are doing better. Uh, but we need good people. We need intelligent people. We need passionate people um, who are able to come in and do these things um, with the men and women who are our first responders, who are our first line of defense. Um, th they are desperately needed. Oh, I love it, man. And I, I would encourage anybody that's, you know, in a potential transition period to reach out to you and I'll, I'll post your, uh, your Twitter on, on the show notes and <clears throat> have them reach out to you or, or whatever the best way is uh, that you, that you inform them. Uh, we're going to move into a little bit of some Q and a, uh, I had, I told you before we, we hit a record that I had reached out to some people and asked them to submit some questions. So first one is got to start it off. We've got to start it off with money. And uh, he wants to know why no Olympic lifting. I think this more from your days <laughs> within the in the collegiate strength conditioning time, you know, did, did you guys cut that at North Texas or was that after North Texas? Or where that does that actually before? Yeah, it, it started um, when I was at the Citadel and, and we were playing around with it a little bit. And, and I just really started to learn about um, Buddy Morris and Tom Maslinski and learn some of their methodologies um, and, and just kind of read a little bit different line of thought. You know, I mean, and it was always, you know, hand clean, power clean, bench squat. And, and those are, you know, bench squat clean. That's your, that's your suite. That's what we're working towards. And, um, you know, kind of, learning that there's a different way to do things and then being turned on from that to Charlie Francis. And then from Charlie Francis, um, you go to Lauren Seagrave and Ralph Mann. And you start looking at what some of the, the people who develop some of the best athletes in the country um, do and, and understand where they're coming from. Um, and, and there's just a different way to go about it. Um, for my staff and me, we felt like it was the way that best fit us. Um, now, if you're a high school strength coach or a collegiate strength coach, and you have a lot of success with those things. I, I am done with the days where I say, well, you shouldn't be doing that because far be it for me to tell another coach how to run his or her program. Um, I know what worked for us. And in my mind, what was easiest for our athletes to learn, easiest for us to coach. But at the end of the day, what was most important to me is what could the kids, and I mean every kid that walked in the door, what could that kid master from the five-star recruit all the way down to the walk-on kid that was never going to have a prayer to see the field? What could they master by the time they walked out the door? And so teaching them how to pick stuff up off the ground, teaching them a proper squat pattern movement, teaching them a proper press pattern movement, um, those three things found, created a foundation of our program uh, from a strength standpoint. Um, and then from a speed power standpoint, what we were able to do is – um, use a lot of Charlie Francis and, and Lauren Seagraves speed development um, stuff. Uh, and then that got us into Cal Beats and the things that he's doing at Triphasic. And what we were able to do is teach uh, three very simple movements. Um, we had a, a principle in our program called variation within simplicity. Um, I wanted to keep things for the kid as simple as possible. Learn how to pull, learn how to squat, learn how to press. And then based off of those three things, I could very stimulus, the trained stimulus to accommodate whatever uh, methodology or whatever outcome I was looking 
to elicit from that training effect. Um, and, and that served us very well. I felt like it helped our athletes become better football players. And most importantly, our injury rates were the best in college football um, everywhere we went. Um, and, and even a highlight of that was our my last year at UCLA and, and my staff's last full year altogether at UCLA. It was the, the COVID-shortened season. We had five months where we, we weren't able to touch our kids or see them or work with them. And we had a 97% player availability rate coming off of COVID. Um, and, and I think a lot of that just goes back to um, the things that we did and, and then also some of the things we didn't do. Um, and so, you know, again, it comes down to a simplicity and a mastery thing. What's easy for this, the kids to learn, it's easy for us as coaches to teach, and what can they master by the time they walk out of the room? Because if you're not able to master it, then why are you doing it? Um, and, and that, to me, became uh, very important. And Buddy Morris said, give the athletes stuff they can't mess up. He was a little bit more harsh in his words, but um, give them stuff they can't mess up. And that was something that we wanted to do. We wanted to give them things that they could very easily learn and very easily execute and over time uh, develop and mastery of so that we can improve their overall physical performance. I love that, man. Um, I'm over here taking notes as, as we're talking and there's just so much that I still realize that I, I just don't know yet. And, you know, people that I need to start researching and add it to my uh, summer reading list. Uh, the but next I think that's great, Peter, because like um, you, you should never, ever in your life feel like, oh, you know, what? I've, I've arrived from a knowledge standpoint. I've arrived. Like, this program is as good as it's going to be like being humble in your approach and being humble in your thought process to me is the only way that you're ever going to continue to grow and continue to develop. Like um, stagnation to me is death. Like the minute that you are like, oh, I, I know enough now. Um, not only is it death for you, but it's death for your kids uh, because you're going to fall behind and by proxy, they're going to fall behind. And so constantly having a hunger to learn uh, and, and just explore things. Even like I, I have more time now and I, I like to go on people's pages and I like to go on people's social media that I might disagree with because I want to see if my beliefs and, and uh, my principles still continue to hold in the face of challenge and adversity. Uh, and and I, I welcome that conversation. Anybody who is like, well, we need you, you need to be doing X, Y, and Z with the athletes. And, and my question, okay, why? Explain that to me. Like, I want to know what your rationale is. And it can't be an emotional argument. And I think a lot of times we get into doctrine in, in strength and conditioning and it becomes, well, this is what my mentor did. And it's what his mentor did. And it's what his mentor did. And so that, therefore that's what I do. And it's just the way that we do things, or it's what the head coach wants me to do. And, and I, I get that. And I worked for a head coach once that expected there to be power cleans and those kinds of things. And I said, listen, here's why I don't want to do things. And he believed in. as a result, we had a breakthrough season and um, it, it was one of the best years that they had ever had in the program. Um, and a lot of that came from keeping the players healthy. And again, I think some of that is omission and, and getting rid of some things in the program because there's a lot of different ways to do things. But it, as long as you're looking for those things, you'll find them. The minute you stop looking for them um, or you're waiting for someone else to tell you, um, that, that's that's going to be a problem. And so I, I love that. And I encourage you and, and everybody that's listening to this to, to continue that mindset and continue that growth mindset because um, there, there's a lot of different stuff out there and, and you're never a completed project. Your, your, your programs are never perfect. Um, there's always, they're always going to be incomplete. They're always going to have holes. There's always going to be things you can improve on. 
um, and understanding that and being humble enough to understand that and, um, and, and seek that truth and seek that knowledge uh, that, that gets your athletes better, that gets you better. Oh, absolutely. I agree 100%. The next question comes from Sean McPherson. Sean is a uh, sales rep for Powerlift. Um, he's a huge um, benefit to have as somebody that I can text. Um, and I appreciate all that he's done for not just the podcast, but our our high school weight room. Um, one of the best I've ever had a opportunity to work with. Um, he asks, how do you balance the external stimuli and in quotes, he puts daily job duties and requirements with the performance-based training protocol to ensure performance when the field is optimized? So I, I think the biggest thing is having great relationships with the people that you're training. Um, and I did this when I was in college and I still do it now as, as they're walking in, um, you look them in the eye, um, you smile at them, you ask them how they're feeling. Um, and you know we don't have the resources here currently um, like we did at, at some other places where you're able to do heart rate variability training where you're able to do some of those things. We're working on trying to get to that point, um, but because we're, we're still in, in really the, the the, the ground level of this thing, um, we're not quite there. And so getting the person to listen, getting the tactical athlete to listen to their bodies and also have conversations with them, real conversations with them about what's going on in their lives. And so, again, this is where that holistic approach um, is very important. Have you been traveling? What have you been eating? What have you been drinking? What's going on at home? What kind of training are you doing right now? What's your op-tempo look like for training? Or is it going to require you to be traveling across multiple time zones? Are you gonna be gone for a week? Are you gonna be gone for two weeks? While you're gone, what are you gonna be doing? Um, having things available for them to do while they're on the road so that they can continue to stay in tune with their bodies. Because really the answer to that question without the technology is getting the, the tactical athlete um, to, or any athlete, to be able to be in tune with their bodies and understand what's going on. And then listen to that and then act on it. Um, so that we can avoid injury and optimize performance. And then that requires me to do a deep dive into um, what the op tempo is, um, what their trainings look like, what their deployment schedules look like, and um, have a clear understanding of that so that I can ask the right questions um, and, and make sure I get good answers from them um, and then give them guidance as far as what we need to do. Um, hey, maybe we need to back off of this today. You're feeling great. Things have been good. Let's go ahead and push at this time period. Um, this is bothering you. Let's do this alternative and see if that gives us a better result. Um, so those are the types of things uh, that, that we're currently doing. But again, it comes from having great trust with the people that you're working with um, and, and getting them to uh, be able to look at what their bodies are doing, what their bodies are telling them, and um, kind of put, put that puzzle together in a way that um, helps you inform them to make the best decisions possible uh, about the training and, and, and the way ahead. I love it, man. Next question comes from uh, Kyle Keese. Kyle is the uh, strength conditioning coach and safeties coach at Denton Geyer High School. <laughs> He's a Southside boy. Um, what is the best or what are the best changes that you've made in programming the past couple of years? Kind of throws a pretty lofty question out there. I don't know if you'll be able to pinpoint specifically, but I'll let you uh, take a swing at that. Yeah, one of the things that um, from a, in college that we got away from, and um, 
man, you know, I, I, I got into to West Side and, and Louie um, and, and his methodology, Dave Tate, Jim Wendler. I mean, those, those guys are so smart and uh, they're so good. And, and the other thing that's always impressive to me about them is how generous they are with their knowledge. I mean, they, they write books, they write articles and they just put them out. You know, I mean, you can buy them, but you can go on their website and, and get all the information that's in 531 um, in the articles that they put out for free. Um, and and they, they've just been so generous with, with their information. And so a lot of um, what I learned when I was younger and what we did early on and, and even really into, into some of the later time periods was heavily influenced by Louis and Westside and the stuff that they did. And it, and it was great stuff and still is great stuff. I came to the realization um, while we were at Virginia that we weren't strong enough and weren't uh, good enough at the lifts to be able to make those training methodologies um, as optimal as they could be. And so talking about uh, the utilization of um, bands and chains, compensatory acceleration, dynamic effort method, all those things, um, th those are all great methods. And so I'm definitely not, um, I'm not, I'm not speaking down on those things. I think, though, you have to understand the audience. You have to understand the, the type of athlete that you're working with. And if I'm working with, uh, you know, a, a, a mid-level football player um, who has a 500-pound squat, and in season we're doing dynamic effort uh, squat with chains or dynamic effort squat with bands, and we're uh, doing those things, that, those, those things, and I've, I've trained that way. Uh, anybody that's done that for an extended period of time knows the toll it takes on your body. Uh, it beats up your hips. It beats up your back. It beats up your knees and your shoulders, um, it, it's hard on your body. It's meant to be that way. It's a, it's a, it's a, a brutal training environment that they've created, but it's also generated some of the most powerful uh, athletes in the world um, in, in that sport, powerlifting. Um, I came to the realization that I wasn't working with powerlifters. I was working with football players, specifically football players that played offensive and defensive line in, in the position that I was working with there at Virginia. And uh, just the the way that that looked as we went along kind of opened my eyes. It was like, man, we're not really making the improvements that I would expect. Why is that? Well, because they're doing this whole other thing that's very difficult and very challenging and beating the crap out of their bodies in the game of football. So what are some things that we can do that might, um, that might help us with that? So I mentioned Kevin earlier. Kevin's a, a dear friend of mine and, and has been on my staff uh, for, for a long time. And now he's at IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. But he was doing some work um with uh Calvitz triphasic and he was using it with the outside the box guys and had absolutely ridiculous success with it and it was very simple it was something that we could apply from our white developmental which was our base foundational level guys all the way up to our highest guys our elite guys our fifth fourth and fifth year guys and um it, it made a lot more um made a lot more sense to me we started implementing it um the the stress on the body was not um nearly as great and it really helped us um, frame how we moved into kind of the next evolution of our pads program our progressive athlete development system that we utilized at uh, at north texas all the way through ucla and um, it, it really changed the way we looked at it and and the way that we trained the athlete and we had a really good results with it and, um, the, the athletes felt better um, and it didn't require us to have the extra setup of all that other stuff. And so um, taking that same mindset and then bringing it into this space has also been very helpful. And so if you haven't 
looked at uh, Coach Dietz's work. He also has the tactical athlete training manual as well as um, his triphasic, his regular triphasic manual. Um, the guy is extremely well studied, extremely well researched, and I think that that model fits really well, whether it's um, high school all the way up to the professional level. Um, it's a it's a really sustainable, intelligent model, and and I I like that a lot. And that has probably been the biggest single change. Most recently, I would say that um, you know the conditioning aspect uh, from the standpoint of being able to understand just all the different things that go into the tactical athlete and, and having to, to uh, apply that has been the, another big change. You know, we we spent so much time in the last ten years of my career alive to the world it because it's football. Um, that was pretty easy. So now being able uh, to program all these different types of things um, has been more challenging and it's been a fun challenge. And, and so if you were to look at what I was doing, what I'm doing now versus what I was doing before, um, we spent a lot more time on soft tissue work. We spent a lot more time on movement, spent a lot more time stretching uh, because, you know, older, uh, older people, um, they don't recover as well. They need more help with recovery. Um, the, the volume is much less. But then the variation within the training means is is much, much greater. Um, and that's just so that we can uh, effectively and efficiently touch on all those energy systems that could be called upon for the tactical athlete um, on, on any given day. You actually answered um, the next question uh, to a degree uh, in that answer with Kyle, uh, <clears throat> my buddy. Ronnie Jankovic, he's uh, down in Georgia. He was asking, is there anything that you do in a tactical setting that might benefit the high school strength coach that we may not already be doing? I know you touched on triphasic and, and you know, some people are deep into triphasic. Some people are kind of, you know, arms distance away with triphasic. Um, I don't know if there's anybody in the middle with it. I always feel like it kind of gets a polarizing deal, kind of the same way with conjugate and West side. You know, you're either in it or you're out or you're not to an extent. Um, yeah. But and, you know, and I and I hate that because like, um, and, and I've been in that I've been in that mindset before, and so this is just coming from someone who's walked that path. Is um, all of those things are tools, right? And they're they're tools in the toolbox. So no carpenter walks in and goes, ah, oh, you know that that hammer that's just a dumb hammer. I don't I don't want to use that hammer. That that saw that's a dumb saw. I would never use that saw. Um, you, you you pick the right tool at the right time for the appropriate job. And I think we need to be better about that. I think, again, it goes back to doctrine. And, and we should not be um, rooted in doctrine with the things we're doing. We should be principle-based. Um, there should be things that we tolerate and things that we don't tolerate uh, when it comes to physical preparation, training, and methodology. Um, but I, I don't think to close your mind off to any one way of training is wise because, um, again, there has not been a program in college football that hasn't won a national championship with some type of training methodology that people go, nah, I, I wouldn't do it that way. Um, you know, Penn State was very successful a long time when all they did was hit training. I mean, they were just on machines um, and that was the way they did things. And they had a very, very successful program for a very long time under that system. So who are we to look at that system and say, that's not an effective system when clearly it is. I think we had a lot of people's asses using that system. Um, and so, I think we need to be more open-minded and get out of our schools and get out of our doctrine and really look at um, what tools we have available and whether or not um, they're viable for the circumstances and why or why not. Uh, and if the answer is why not, because I don't understand it, well, then that's on you um, to, to improve your knowledge. 
Um, and, and, and those things need to be done. I, think. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but uh, it just it just kind of touched on something that I that I'm passionate about and, and have thought about a lot recently. No, man, that, that's the whole point of the of this platform is just give coaches, give people an opportunity to, to speak um, on things that they're passionate about. And I think it's important that you you have taken that exact stance and you've hammered on it several different times because I think it is a problem in the strength conditioning community. And I think it kind of goes to why we have this notion that we should be paid more, but yet we we shoot ourselves in the foot for, you know, lack of a better term is because we're people can see well, we're sitting here arguing and it, it a lot of it has to do with emotion more than, you know, actual scientific deal because we get this response at this place. Well, you should be able to get it at your place, even though we don't have, we have similar kids, but we don't have the same kids. Um, you know, and that's whether it's high school, whether it's college professional, you know, the, the, just because you have elite athletes doesn't mean you have all the same elite athletes. Uh, just because you have four or five stars at one place doesn't mean the place with three, five stars should operate the same way. You know, it's, it's different. And I, and I think what you talked about earlier too, with who's, who's your head coach, what are their expectations? You know uh, where I'm at now, that guy has a, a different mindset of what the weight room should look like from other places that I've been. And that's a good thing and a bad thing, right? You know, I have my viewpoints, he has his, but we can at least have conversation regarding what should be done, what can be done. And I, and I sincerely appreciate his uh, freedom that he gives me to explore as long as it's come, it's coming from a reasonable and realistic place. Right. If I just say, hey, we're going to go out there and we're going to do, uh, no, not to pick on CrossFit, but we're going to do, you know, insert girl name uh, wad today. Well, how the hell does that make any sense? If is that going to actually give us the necessary uh, stimulus to improve? I don't know. But if I'm just throwing stuff at the wall, hoping it sticks, then all I'm asking for is failure. But if I can say, hey, look, I really think we need to move in this direction. We need to look at, you know, we've run a lot of five, three, one, maybe we need to kind of just go more into, you know, a five by five, or we need to gonna go, you know, even easier strength type stuff where we're just focusing on simple movement patterns and we're not trying to hammer the weight type deal. And we're, we're just working on efficiency. You know, it's close to the beginning of the season. We don't need to, we don't need to go, uh, too heavy we need to taper back or what have you well i think to round back to um the the question about what can be done at the high school level that's not being done i would like to encourage uh coaches everywhere but i think we can start at the high school level of looking at speed as a skill um, and this is one thing that i learned um from kevin um through lauren through ralph mann is that speed is a skill. Now, obviously, I will never run a 4-3-40. That is not in my genes. I picked the wrong parents for that battle. But can I get faster? Yes, I can. Um, can I learn proper movement dynamics, proper movement technique, so that I can be a more efficient sprinter, a more efficient mover, which then can translate onto the field uh, as usable speed and power that can be expressed and help me move faster from point A to point B 
um, faster than my opponent? And the answer to that question is absolutely yes. And the answer isn't more squats, more queens, uh, more snatches. Those, those are the wrong answers um, to, to that equation. Do those things play a role? Absolutely. Does strength play, play a role in speed? Absolutely. You're foolish if you think otherwise. But um, there is a component of that that we are missing. Um, I, I think when I look at most programs across the country, it, it's kind of speed is kind of treated as this. Well, if you know, you hear people say things like, well, we're going to recruit you, Johnny, and you're fast. And my job is just to not screw you up. Um, that's the, the words of a, of a performance coach or a strength and conditioning coach who doesn't know what they're doing. Um, a, a really good performance coach should take a fast athlete and help them become faster. And not because I made your squat go up. Any idiot can do that. Um, but by watching them, teaching them, educating them, um, drilling them properly, those types of things um, can, can help us really improve overall performance and as a byproduct safety and get rid of some of these ridiculous soft tissue injuries that we're seeing pop up in kids um, at, at, at the youngest ages, things that just should not be happening. Achilles and patella tendons and, and, and uh, hip labrums and some of these things that should not be happening to high school kids. Um, we, we can correct a lot of that stuff by having a more intelligent, um, more well thought out movement program. And we, and we can help these kids in the ways that they want to be helped. There isn't a kid ever when you ask him who wants to be faster, goes, mm, you know what, I'm good. Wait, I don't care if you play O-line, D-line, kicker. Everybody wants to be faster. You're better if you're faster in sport. Um, and um, so I, I think that that's one place where I would love to see people put more time and energy and, and, uh, and, and learn those things. Because it, it, is, it is something you can learn. It takes time. It takes a, a lot of energy. But it is absolutely 100% worth it. I love it, man. Well, you got two more questions. They're going to kind of go in a very different direction. Um, this one is from me. Uh, I'm curious, as you have dove into, you know, the tactical side of things, you know, were you a good marksman or ha have you had time to, okay, let me ask this first before I proceed with the question. Have you had any experience with, with, shooting and marksmanship prior to yes were you good no have you significantly improved and gotten one percent better at that not yet so that's a that's a to-do list then absolutely so let me tell you this because you're in texas and my guy is in texas so i i was really fortunate to get in with this guy at the ground level his name is dan sanderford um i, I referenced him earlier when i was talking about uh, the former Force Recon Marine who helped me develop uh, the, the foundation of our warrior mindset program. He runs a weapons school uh, in Decatur, Texas called VX Marksmanship. And if that is something that you're interested in, if it's something you're passionate about, um, if you own a weapon in your home, if you want to be someone who concealed carries a weapon, um, you need to go to Dan's school and learn how to properly use the weapon. He is one of the finest instructors um, of any type that I've ever been around. And I learned so much from him and I'm able to go out on the range now and uh, hold my own, I would say, because of the foundation that he laid with me back when I was at the University of North Texas. Um, he's gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell him that I was on here and he's gonna beat me up because I need to get out to Decatur and, and do some training with him. 
Um, I just need to be able to pull away from what I'm doing right now and get out there and do that. Um, but, you know, I, I know that, um, you know, guns in Texas are, are good and it's a, it's a big thing out there. Uh, so I want to, I want to pump my guy, Dan Sandiford of VH Marksmanship because um, I, I, I don't know if you're going to find a better weapons school um, anywhere in the country. And uh, he does a great job. So um, I need to get better at it. Uh, and, I, and I would say that because I don't think you're ever good enough. And when you, um, when you go out and see what some of these guys are capable of doing with a firearm, like as good as you think you might have been, and, and I would have probably, before coming out here, I would have said, yeah, I was pretty good. You know, um, I've come out here and looked at some of the things these guys can do. And I'm like, nope. Uh, there's this whole, I mean, it, it's like uh, high school football to the NFL and saying, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I passed for 2000 yards in high school. You know, I, I think I could, I could do it in the league, you know, and um, then you get out there and watch, you know, Tom Brady throw, a, a, you know, five yard out across the field to the opposite hash. And you're like, holy cow, that's a whole different level of, uh, of accuracy and precision and, and, uh, velocity and, and the same thing exists in this space the guys that are the best at it are ridiculous um and, and that's why they're professionals i love it man you you know you're you're being vulnerable and honest about yourself you know i think it's it's like when i went to go lift with monty and you know i think i'm pretty strong and i see him lift and i'm like nah not quite there of course he'll tell you he's weak as hell get out but he's a liar at that um so the last question comes from Monty, and this might be the best question, the worst question, I don't know. But he wants to know what is the best barbecue sauce? The one that I make from scratch in my house. That's the best barbecue sauce. Um, I, I love doing stuff from scratch. Like I, I, uh, I've bought a bunch of barbecue sauces and I use them once and then they sit in my fridge. But when I make them from scratch, now I'll use a recipe. I'm not, I'm not claiming that I'm, that I'm coming up with this on my own. Um, but I will, uh, I will always use the homemade stuff all the way to the bottom of the, the, the bin, the bottom of the Tupperware, the bottom of the jar I put it in. But a lot of times the store-bought stuff, you know, I use it, use it once, use it twice, and it sits in there, and I'm kind of on to the next thing. Um, I, I really, I know this comes from my, my, uh, my passion for, uh, for smoking meats, um, but, um, yeah, I've, I've had a lot of fun just, just kind of doing the whole thing from scratch, the seasonings, making my own seasonings, um, from the, the basic ingredients, uh, making my own sauces from the basic ingredients. And, um, my, my wife and I've kind of gotten to a point right now where, um, we will, uh, prefer our food over going out anymore. Um, if we'll go out to a nice restaurant, we'll eat it. Like, you know, that was a good meal. I like your ribs better. I like your bread better. I like you know, your mashed potatoes better. And, and so um, I think that was probably the result of being locked in the house for uh, six months during COVID and just doing a lot of cooking and a lot of experimenting. And, and that was fun. So um, make your own seasonings, make your own sauces. That's uh, that's the most important question we had tonight. That is. All right. I got to follow up, though, with, with your passion for smoking meats. Give me the the coolest or, or the most out of the box thing that you've smoked and what is something that you are wanting to smoke that you haven't yet? Um, <clears throat> haven't smoked a ham yet. And so want to do that. Um, outside the box. Um, that's a good question. I don't know if I would, if I could say, okay, no. So here we go. I got it. I saw this thing on Instagram. I was like, I've got to try that. 
it was a uh, uh, a four bone tomahawk bone and ribeye that had a pork belly wrapped around the bottom of it and tied to the bottom of it. And so I went to uh, the local butcher shop uh, here where I live and said, man, that's a really good looking uh, tomahawk you got there. You see that pork belly? This is gonna be really weird, but can you cut that pork belly and wrap it onto the bottom of that uh, prime rib and, and twine it up for me and, and, and let me take it out of here. And he was like, what you want, man, I don't care. So I did it and uh, smoked that thing and holy cow, that, the, 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 the way that those two things blended together was, was a lot of fun. That, that was cool. So as far as unique things go, I think that would, that would be the, the kind of outside the box unique thing that I did. Frankenmeats, uh, you know, you can kind of combine in two things and, and let them ride. But that was a lot of fun. Uh, I think that's something that would make uh, even John Madden happy right there. <laughs> well, Frank, brother, it's been an honor to have you on. I've learned so much in this short amount of time. Um, I thank Monty for encouraging us to get together and do it. And, and I hope that we can uh, continue, you know, this uh, budding friendship and as well as, you know, bring you back on and, and, you know, hopefully in years to come, you know, the, the sector that you're in is growing and it's becoming an even more sought after deal. Um, so if anybody wants to, get in touch with you about potentially getting into the tactical side of things, or they just want to dive deeper into your, uh, PDS system, holistic approach to training, you know, how do they get a hold of you? Um, you know, I'm, I'm easy to find on Twitter. I'm easy to find on Instagram, I'm easy to find on LinkedIn. Um, I, I will reach back out to you. I think anybody that has, um, you know, reached out to me, I'm on Facebook as well. Um, if you reach out to me, I'm going to get back to you, um, and, and I'll answer your questions and I'll spend, um, as much time as I, as I can, or as is necessary or as you need, um, because I, I believe in that kind of thing. I, I believe that, that we need to do that for each other. And I have a responsibility as someone who's been, you know, pretty close to the top of the profession and, and has a lot of experience to be able to pass those experiences along and, and help people because people did that for me. And, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, and people didn't do it for me. And I hated the way it made me feel. And I would never want anyone to feel that way because of me. Um, and so I, I would encourage anybody that if you have questions, um, if there's things that I can do to help, if there's a direction I can point you in, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'm happy to share what I know. I don't know everything. I'll never pretend to know everything. Um, there, there are people out there that have forgotten more about human performance and the human body than, than I'll ever know. Um, and my goal and, and my aspiration is just to um, continue to, to learn as much as I can so I can best serve uh, the, the people that I'm working with on a day-to-day -day basis. And if that's college football players, if that's, uh, uh, you know, first armor division, if that's the FBI, um, if it's whoever's coming in the future, whatever that looks like, um, that, that's my mission. And, and that's what I want to do. If it's other fellow strength and addition coaches, young people, old people, like um, I, I've been, I've been astonished at how many people, that have been in the field for a long time. Some people with names that you know exactly who they were have reached out to me and said, hey, I want to learn a little bit more about what you just did because you know, I'm kind of reaching the end of my rope in this thing or I'm, I'm kind of looking for something different that doesn't involve this. Um, and, and I'm happy to do that. Um, and, and that's, a, that's a, a, a privilege to be able to do that. The people want to learn from your experiences and, and they, they want to learn what you, what you have to say.